One, two, three, do it. Oh, Soldiers Podcast. I'm your host, Ed Brownmerkel. With me, as always, my compatriot, Mike Anderson. Mike, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well, sir. I'm doing well. Vikings finally get their first win. I think I think all in Vikings fandom are, are feeling pretty good about that. Take a win off of Houston, off the mobile quarterback. Gives us some hope towards next week. Um, Mike, did, did we really beat these guys bad enough that they fired their coach? Uh, well, they did fire their coach. I'm not sure how much... Uh... The Vikings winning had to do with that, but uh, I think we, that was well, the, the straw I, that broke the camel's back. I, I think we should take the credit for that. Let's be fair here. Yeah. I mean, we, we yeah. got Bill O'Brien fired. We, we dominated them so much, we got Bill O'Brien fired. And, and um, I'm going to be honest. I don't know if I agree with that necessarily, but uh, it is what it is. It is what it is. Bill O'Brien's gone. Vikings get the first win back in the win column. One and three, the Vikings are. Um, getting ready to go against Seattle. Um Vikings have a lot of lot to lot to look forward to on offense. We got Dalvin Cook rolling. We got Justin Jefferson seems to be rolling up pretty good. Um, defense still a little bit suspect for the Vikings, but you know <clears throat> you got you got enough offense. Sometimes the defense doesn't matter. Um, anything else on the Vikings versus Houston? Pretty milk toast game for me, I think. Um, before we move on to our preview, Mike of Seattle. Uh, no, I think uh, I would just say Justin Jefferson continues to emerge. Uh, passing game, you know, uh, continued to emerge. I think the offensive line had one of their better games. Yep, this is true. Uh, which isn't, which isn't saying necessarily month or much, but uh, you know, they they played well. I think Dalvin Cook had another great game. He's got a touchdown in every game, and then you know, you look at the offense firing all on all cylinders. You just need the defense to do enough to allow them to win the game. Defense did, even though you're still down, um, you know, a fair amount of starters. So uh, definitely a good win against a mobile quarterback. It came right down to the end, but they get that first win, and, and let's hope that we can roll it with a little bit of momentum into a place where we have had a lot of trouble. Uh, a lot of trouble is correct indeed. This will be our third year consecutively playing at Seattle, which I ensure you, Vikings fans, I ensure you, due to the, the scheduling um, Third year and five of six. Third year and five of six, right? And we will play them again next year. This is a guarantee, but we are guaranteed to play them at home next year. So this whole thing of Minnesota at Seattle in prime time consecutively year over year <laughs> is about to end. It's going to be at Minnesota next year. But, Mike, that's a different podcast for next year. Yeah. This year, we are going into Seattle. Seattle, that's riding really hot, letting Russ cook. Um, and we're bringing our own chef, okay? We're bringing our own chef, but we have we have a special guest on the show. We do. Lifelong Seahawks fan. Seven-year high school football coach. Friend of the podcast, Jeff Serling. How is it going tonight, Jeff? It's good, and to set the record straight, DeAndre Hopkins got Bill O'Brien fired. Let's be really honest here. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know I mean, you know, I, I agree you, know, you know, it's you know, six of one, six of the other, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm I'm happy to be here. Love talking football on a on a on a October night and Seahawks Vikings, man. It doesn't get any better. It does not. Obviously, this year uh, Vikings wish it would have started off a little bit different than one and three, but. Um, what better time to make a statement in a season where you didn't didn't really start off the way you wanted it to, but you're coming off a, a, a decent victory against Houston, um, kind of a, that mobile quarterback mold that Russ kind of is, and, and you roll into this game, you know maybe maybe you take this win and and now you're turning some heads. You're you're two and three, but you're still turning some heads, saying hey, we can still play with some of these big boys. Um, what are your thoughts initially just coming into this game for? Um, Vikings coming in. Did anything about us scare you? 
Uh, well, I mean, offensively, I mean, you definitely have. I mean, you've, you've got all the skill players you need. You've got Jefferson. You've got Cook. You've got you've got Cousins. And while his primetime record isn't where you want it to be, like I said, he's he's a solid quarterback going back to the days of Washington. Um, you know, you've got a defensive line that's solid. I, I think one of the things that we saw in Miami last week is that uh, if you can put pressure on Russ, you know, like I said, he's, you know, our, our offensive line is good, but it's not a, it's not a pro ball offensive line. So we, uh, you know, we're suspect. If you can pressure Russ, then you can, you can disrupt the offense. Yeah. And I, I think you, you know, you look at the Seahawks are four and zero. They're one of two teams that are undefeated in, in the NFC with the green Bay Packers, unfortunately being the other looking, um, like in my opinion, no disrespect to Seattle. I think green Bay looks like the best team in the NFC. I, I think that Russ, uh, though, looks at the front runner for the MVP. So, I mean, they're they're neck and neck. Um, there's a long way to go. But uh, they're 4-0 with wins over Dallas, New England uh, at home, and then Atlanta, Miami on the road. That New England game was obviously close. Uh, came down to, I, I believe, if I recall, a, a defensive stop right on the goal it was line. A, there. It was a goal line stand. Yeah. Um, which had to be bittersweet when you go back to the uh, the Super Bowl. A little bit of sweet wow. revenge. Wow, you got to take the shot there. You might, you might as well might as well get it in now. So, well, I, I mean, I had to I had to mix it in. But um, you know, one thing that I, I think my curiosity comes into is is if you've listened to the podcast, you know that I'm a Russ Wilson fan. I mean, um, he is. If, if I started a franchise, I mean, I'd be hard pressed to. You know, obviously, you have Mahomes, right? Who would be the obvious answer just from an age standpoint. But for a guy like me, I'm still hard pressed to not consider Russ. He's that good. I think he's that good of a leader. He's that good on the football field. So, um, where my curiosity comes in, Jeff, is is what were the expectations of this Seattle team coming into the year? Because you have some young players like a DK Metcalf that has really emerged into a legitimate receiver. You have a defense that is relatively young, yet you bring in a Jamal Adams who has been hurt, but is still going to come in and, and probably play some pretty a pretty important role. Um, but but I guess like from a fan base standpoint, you know what were the realistic expectations coming into this sort of a COVID season? <laughs> well, I think we knew. The team was going to be solid. I, th- I think you know we definitely saw some free agent losses. We saw some, you know, we, we saw some, you know, some people leave. Um, I still think we, you know, especially you know, you know, Jadavion Clowney was probably the number one, you know, people, you know, person that we saw actually leave the team, you know, and go off as a free agent. But um, like Ed said earlier, the the let Russ cook has gone from the off season, and they they had stayed committed to the fact that they were going to run a high powered passing, you know, offense that is going to give, that's going to showcase Russell Wilson and how good he actually is. Sure. Sure. And I, I mean, it's, it's always surprising to me and it shouldn't be surprising anymore, but it's like Seattle always, you look over at the standings and they're always, you know, three and one, five and two, seven and three. And, and you're always like, I don't know if I can name four players on the Seattle team just as an NFL fan. Uh, but they continue to get it done, and I, I think that's a testament to Russ. I think it's it's a testament to Pete Carroll. I know Carroll is a controversial coach to a lot of um, NFL fans out there, but um, you know certainly we see them at four and zero, and in a year where they're going to allow seven teams in from each conference, uh, they look like a playoff team. But you know you look at this matchup coming in this week in Minnesota, five and eleven against Seattle all time. They've lost. Uh, six in a row, I think something six or seven in a row to Seattle. Last win came in 2009 when Brett Favre was quarterbacking the Minnesota Vikings. A year that uh, you know Vikings fans will certainly uh, remember controversially. Obviously, that's that's the uh, you know the Greg Williams whole situation down there. Um, that's another podcast. But you know the last time we won in Seattle was 2006 where Chester Taylor ran for uh, 169 and a score. And Jeff, you mentioned to me earlier, that was a, uh, you think that was a, did we verify? Was that like a 95-yard touchdown? Run? I thought it, because I, I remember being at the game, and I believe he took like a like an off-tackle run, like 90 feet. It was the longest run at Quest Field, okay. I believe, at the time. So, 
So quest, yeah, quest I, now century link. So. so it's been a while. Let's put it that way. Um, we were talking before the show. Uh, things that also happened in that year. Blu-ray became a thing. Uh, <laughs> Twitter, <laughs> Twitter became a thing. So uh, you know, amongst other, just I mean, I was a freshman in college. I think at that point, roughly, uh, maybe maybe a, a sophomore. It's it's just been a while um and and you know it's it's been tough i mean uh, seattle has had their number i mean we've had things like this i think chicago is the other best instance right minnesota has had a difficult time winning at chicago um you know we haven't had a lot of success there but i guess before we dive into this exact matchup i'm curious has seattle does seattle have anything like this jeff where they they've got a, a 10 15 year stretch where they just you know, they don't have a lot of luck wherever they're playing. Uh, they have a lot of problems with Green Bay. You know, one of the, you know, consistently going in. And it also kind of seems where you were talking earlier about it always seems like Minnesota's in Seattle. It always seems like we're going to Lambeau. Um, and Lambeau just from, even from the playoffs, you know, the, the Matt Hasselback game where he, he called the, uh, you know, we're going to, we're going to get the ball and we're going to score and then throws a pick six to Al Harris. Yeah. It's, it's been that type of thing where consistently, you know, outside of a couple of, you know, the, the fail Marys, you know, we've generally had problems with, uh, with Green Bay. What was that? Uh, wasn't Seattle the whole Bostic game too? the, the Matt, the massive comeback or am I thinking, or was that somebody else? Mm-hmm. Well, they, that was, yeah, they, they had, they had the, uh, the NFC championship game here, uh, the year that they went to the Super Bowl and lost to the Patriots. That yeah, was, huge. uh, that was an overtime win where they came back from like 18 points down at halftime. Fake field goals, just amazing plays. It was just a that was probably one of Seattle's best games they've ever played. And, and was that is that the one Ed? I'm sorry, were you? Uh, is that the one I'm thinking of? Where or was that a different team? But Green Bay had the epic. They were up like 35 and ended up losing because they lost an onside kick and then. I, I swear that was Seattle, but I don't. Know I, I don't. I don't think that was Seattle. Um, I, I definitely know there's a whole replacement ref situation against Seattle, and that that's that was a, a whole big thing. Oh, um, that was beautiful. FYI, I just just wanted to retouch back on that 2006 game. So um, yes, it was a 95 yard run from Chester Taylor. Also, Matt Hasselbeck was pulled, I think, at some point for Seneca Wallace on the Seattle side. So that's it, that just gives you an idea of how far removed was, we are from that whole. Also, it was Seattle. NFC Championship game uh, in 2015. Green Bay was up 19-14. And I think in that game, they were up like 19-3 to basically the whole game. And Seattle made a strong comeback. Bostic booted the uh, booted the onside kick with like two minutes left. And they ended up winning the game. That was probably the year you... That's right. Well, it, was, uh, I, it was recovered by Chris Matthews. There, there's the trivia question is who recovered that onside kick. The guy had then 100 yards the next week in the Super Bowl against New England and has never been seen again. And was that the – was that – no, that's not because you guys beat – you guys beat Denver, right, to win the Super Bowl. So New England yeah, that, was the one. That, yeah, New England year, so. the aforementioned, uh, the yeah, that was the New England year. The aforementioned – Yeah, that's, 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 that's twice, Lynch that's twice in the podcast. Just, yeah, just let me know. Well, we're gonna get it in five times. So we, <laughs> all right, all right. We we, you know, we we can talk about Kirk Cousins' primetime record, okay. but that's okay. So hey, actually, that is a note we're gonna bring up here shortly. But um, all right, let's let's transition. We digress. Okay, we've we filled in the history. So basically, what we're saying is there's a lot of history between these two teams. There's a lot of history between Seattle and the NFC North. Um, there's a lot of stuff well, going it, on there. So I I don't know how how deeply sometimes you guys get into this, but there's there's so much history like if you guys remember back in the in the years with like the Steve Hutchinson the yeah. poison pill yep, in the yep, contract exactly that well that also in uh, um what's his face uh, Nate uh, Burleson Nate Burleson yeah. yep that that Nate famous Burleson had a poison they, they pill had a, yeah the poison pill was is he could not Hutchinson could not play like seven games in a state that had more than 8,000 lakes. And that was part of the con. That was the poison pill in the contract. It was, you know, I've, and that's, that's why they couldn't match the free agent offer. Well, I, I, that's, that's interesting. I've actually never heard that language. Like I've never actually looked up that language. That's awesome. 
Oh, the poison pill days. We need to bring those days back. <laughs> but there's a lot of I mean, players going back and forth. You've got like Percy Harvin, you know, mm-hmm. you know, helped their, you know, get the Super Bowl, and you know, there's been a lot of players that have gone back and forth between the two teams. John Randall played for both teams. There's there's a lot of history between yeah. uh, Minnesota and Seattle. Tavares Jackson. Yeah, Tavares, the, the, the late Tavares Jackson. The late Tavares Jackson. Who, who, is, who, is that, uh, who actually played snaps in the Super Bowl? Yes, who actually. Did. Yeah. Um, hey, and the, then, the best Super Bowls are the ones where your backup gets meaningless knee downs. That's true. The best, <laughs> it's the best play in the world. Also, that uh, that tight end that we signed and was basically trash, so we just let him go. <laughs> Forget his name. I can't remember. Um, I, I think Tavares got like a full quarter because you oh, guys yeah. were up like forty-two yeah, nothing was, in that, that game. He got, he, got, he got a couple handoffs and then yeah. victory formation. Yeah, that's got to be the most lopsided Super Bowl that weren't. Weren't you honestly up something like forty-two to seven or something absurd? Yeah, well, yeah it was forty. It, the, end, the end game was forty-three to eight. I think. I we mean, if there's up. any yeah, Atlanta because there was fans a safety to listening, start with. they're probably yeah. like, "Oh, listen, no lead is safe." Okay. <laughs> Uh, no, Percy Harvin's Percy Harvin's kick return was basically what allowed Seattle fans to relax for the rest of the game. Yep, I, I remember that Super Bowl because I made three hundred bucks in that Super Bowl. Oh, <laughs> I, I had Super Bowl squares. I won three squares in that. I digress, though. Yeah. Um. All right, so let, let's move into uh, let's move into this game. Uh, we got a couple talk points here that maybe we'll bounce back and forth. So, um. I think let's start out with Jamal Adams, obviously a big signing for Seattle or trade big, big trade for Seattle. Um, Seattle gave up quite a bit, but in a lot of people's opinion, probably including myself, I would say Jamal Adams is arguably the best safety in the NFL. So um, you're bringing in a very good player that then got hurt. um, You know, and, and I see right now Seattle's four and all they're heading into the bye. So my opinion, Jeff was that, I don't see a way that Jamal Adams plays in this game unless he is literally 100% healthy. And the fact that I think he will probably be 96% healthy, I just don't see him playing. Um, what are your thoughts on on Adams' status? Uh, I would have a, I would have probably agree with you there. I'd have a hard time seeing him playing, knowing that they're going into a bye week where he can really rest up. Um, but yeah, like I said, they, they gave up a lot for him. I would argue in the first two games, he may have been the most dominant defensive player in the league for those first two games. But like I said, he's, he's dealing with a, with, a, with a groin and hamstring problem, and I don't, I don't see him playing. You know, I just really don't. I don't, see, I don't think there's a way that he plays. And I, I, think, yeah. I think if you're Seattle, you're looking at this, you're, you're 4-0, and and you're, you're playing against a limping Minnesota team. I mean, let's be fair, it's called what it is. Um, I, I don't think you're super scared of Minnesota right now. So you're thinking, okay, high chance we're going 5-0, and let's get to the bye, and then he has a couple weeks to get that right. Exactly. Because those, those hamstring and groin injuries, those can linger, so that the yeah. more you can just let those rest and not, not put any pressure on those, the better. Well, yeah, I, but- and, I mean, you look at, like, it's a, it, to me it's the same thing. Devontae Adams didn't play last week, right? Green Bay is going into the bye. They had Atlanta at home. They knew they were probably going to win that game. You have Robert Tanyan go for three touchdowns. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, it's – I think that's the same situation that Adams is in. And, yes, Minnesota is, as we're going to touch on here, bringing in a decent receiving core. Um, decent might be an understatement as we move forward into that conversation. But – um, still, I, I think if you're smart, you're 4-0, you're at home, you're not playing. You're not playing Adams. No, I I wouldn't. Like I said, if it, if it was my call, he'd, he'd rest one more week, get the bye week, and then come back you know, the following week healthy. You've got a stretch of games where you're going, you know, Arizona, San Francisco. Um, you've got a stretch of games where you're going to start playing some divisional games, and you're going to need him at full strength. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and I guess speaking of those divisional games, you know, Seattle's been very good in the division because they win at home, right? They're, they're one of the most difficult places to play in the NFL, um, and that's because of uh, the 12s, as you probably are, are self-proclaimed, Jeff. You know, uh, it's always hard to win in Seattle with their fans. Um, you know, they're consistently renowned as one of the loudest stadiums in the NFL. Minnesota is as well, but um you know, they're they lose that this year and I think we've seen that in Minnesota where it really can impact things defensively when 
you know, for Minnesota speaking, Aaron Rodgers came in week one and was able to just make the play calls, the audibles, do things against the young defense, and uh, the players were able to hear what he was calling. So um, as much as we talk about how that's a negative for you on the defensive side of the ball, um, it, it might slightly be a positive in that Russ doesn't have to worry about a crowd getting too loud for him to make his audibles. But, um, you know, how, how has the lack of the 12s been impacting the team this year? Uh, it's definitely different. Um, you usually will see at least one to two false start penalties from an offense per game because of crowd noise. So, you know, I, I would say it definitely, I mean, you've got arguably outside of Kansas City, probably the loudest stadium in the NFL in Seattle. You know, so I, I think this is almost like a neutral field at this point. There are no fans. There are no outside of the fact that you get to sleep in your own bed and you use your own locker room. It's generally just, you know, it's the same football stadium that Minnesota is going to be playing in this week as well. There's no there's no advantages at that point. So it really, really comes down to how the teams execute. I mean, add any thoughts on I mean, I know uh, if you've been a fan of the podcast Ed last year predicted we were going to go in and just get rid of this ghost and win in Seattle. I said we were going to lose by 40. We ended up losing by like seven or eight. But, um, I mean, any thoughts, Ed? I don't want to hint at your prediction, but without the 12s, does it change your feeling um, on the game with a little bit of optimism coming from Minnesota last week? I think what you see in in a lot of these stadiums that have just the, the deafening crowd noise, I mean, historic U.S. Bank Stadium included with that, um, if you get a lead as the home team, it becomes increasingly more difficult to get back into that game. Increasingly yeah. more difficult because the crowd gets more into it. The crowd is just is chomping at the bit, and, and they're just going nuts, right? So you look at it from that perspective, right? We've seen this Vikings team be able to throw up um, points in a hurry. Definitely, you look at two weeks ago versus Tennessee, um, you have Delvin go for 175. You have Justin Jefferson go for 175. Um so we can throw down points and yards in a hurry, especially with you know Seattle defense that, that might be a little bit, um, little bit injury, injury ridden, ridden in the, the the back coverage unit, right? So from that perspective, if for whatever reason we get down in the first half, that climb back out of that 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 point hole becomes a lot easier in a neutral field. So. I think overall, if if I'm a betting man, I, I think the the home field advantage is no longer like a two and a half, three point. It's it's more like a half point maybe. Um, so I I think it definitely is a huge a huge favor, especially in like a place like um, Seattle. Um, it's just just not having that crowd noise disrupting what you're trying to do on offense is just massive. Especially oh, I hundred percent agree. I, I absolutely agree with you that. It just it, it changes the perspective of the game. Yeah, it, it, it changes the mentality it's, because you're not you're not trying to fight all that noise. You're able to focus more. You just I think you're just able to get a lot more done as as the opponent in those stadiums. Is Seattle at no fans, Jeff, out there? Or what? It, what you know? It seems like across the country we're seeing thirteen thousand some two fifty here, seven fifty. What is yeah, the there, situation? There, there's a there's a no gathering over two fifty. So they have they have actually shut it down. I don't believe there's any fans in the stadium at this okay. point. Okay. 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 So. Um, so you have the lack of the 12s and I mean, I guess that, that moves us into, you know, a couple other topics here that, um, you know, you almost are controversial on if they overcome this on, on Sunday night, but, um, you have Kirk Cousins in prime time, right? Obviously the, the nation knows that he's struggled. Um, granted last year he did get a couple of big wins in prime time. He won a, I think a Sunday night football game at Dallas. He of course mm-hmm. won, um, at New Orleans on a 3 PM game. I want to say on Sunday, but in, you know what? It's, it's a, a playoff, playoff football game. game. It's, it's a primetime game. Um, so to me, he eliminated the stigma. I've, I've been a proponent of that the whole time. I think that I don't buy it. I don't think he comes in going, it's primetime. I need to play differently. Um, so I, to me, this isn't even a thing, but I know to a lot of the uh, Vikings fandom and, and just NFL fans in general, it is. But, um, you know, Cousins is, is one. I, I don't know if we had one in between or if he's 2-0 and in his last two, but um, no, he's not because Green Bay was prime time. So he's 2-1 and one at a minimum because he lost. But granted, we were allowed Delvin Cook. Well, I digress. And, well, here's, um, here, here's the thing, just to interject real quick on that, the prime time Kirk Cousins – 
I call it really a myth because if you look at the stats that he's put up in prime time, I mean garbage side, garbage time aside, the stats and the QBR that he's putting up in prime time and the PFF grades, which really don't take much into account of garbage time stats, he actually increases his performance in prime time. So when he's losing, it's because the defense is giving up like a whack ton of points. Like you look at last year's Seattle game, prime time. Yeah, we lost, but I think he still put up 37 points, and it was like a 10 point game there at a point. So we yeah, lost by, I think it was 37-30. Yeah, 37-30. So, it's 37-30. So we lost by seven, and he still put up 30 points. So that that is not garbage time time for me right there. If you're within a score, that is not a garbage time performance, and you put up 30 points. That's a pretty solid outing on prime time in Seattle. If I recall, though, it was a it was a late fourth quarter turnover. I think yeah. that turned the game though. So. It yeah. was like the it was like the Green Bay game this year where they were probably down seventeen and they just kinda in the fourth all of a sudden you get it within a score, but the ball goes to Green Bay with four minutes left type of thing. But yeah. um you know, I guess I'd be curious from an outside perspective, as someone that's got Russ as a quarterback and you know, Jeff, you've you follow the NFL. I mean in my opinion, Cousins is a – he's certainly a top half quarterback. Yeah. In my opinion, he's hes probably right at that top third quarterback that has the ability to play just a little bit higher. But, I mean, what what are your thoughts on Cousins overall just without prime time? Just what are your thoughts as an outside guy on Kirk Cousins? Watching him all the way back to Washington, he's smart. Um like I said, you know, decent arm strength. Like I said, he's not going to blow anybody away by throwing the ball 75 yards downfield. But, you know, decent arm strength. You know, he's smart. He he understands the game. So so he has the capability of hitting checkdowns and reading defenses. Um, you know, the, the big thing is, is, you know, and, and while, yes, it's a stigma, he generally just doesn't seem to rise to the occasion when needed. Yeah. And he seems to have been the quarterback for a lot of mediocre, you know, seven and nine, eight and eight, yeah. nine and seven teams, which is, yes, it's a team sport, but it could tend, you know, he is one of the consistents that his teams just seem to just kind of slightly underperform. Yep. And, and I think that, I think that's the struggle, right? Is that it's easy to it's easy to commit to an opinion on Cousins one way or the other because he, if you just hate him, and you just want to say he doesn't win in prime time, he doesn't win big time games, you can go that way. But as Ed and I have brought out, Aaron Rodgers in games that he's behind going into a second half has a horrible record. It's something like five and thirty, or I mean, it's it's all quarter, it's all teams. It's not quarterbacks. Right. It's all teams. If you're behind going into the second half, it's hard to come back and win the NFL. Um, you know, so I think Cousins has really uh, – he's gotten an unfair shake a little bit in my opinion. Um, but you know what? It's up to him and the Vikings to try to put him in a position to get out of it. Uh, and, and I think this is, this is a great opportunity, right? I think that Minnesota fans everywhere uh, coming into this game – Full transparency before we get to predictions, Jeff. You're going to see a hundred percent, why a hundred ninety five percent of Minnesota fans are not predicting Minnesota to win this game, much less stay in it. And so, if Cousins were able to come out and play a game, play a, a quality football game against an undefeated Seattle team and win it, I think he he does a lot for his reputation in the NFL. Well, and I don't even think it's just his reputation. I think it, what it does is that that puts you in, in the category of okay, now maybe he can elevate this team. Maybe he can get this well, team to to a higher higher stratosphere just by. Well, himself. hang on, hang on. Are we back to the Skull Jurors podcast now instead of the Skull Jur podcast? Are we going to two? Are we back to two? I mean, we, we might back be back to board, two. We, I, you know, yeah, I are might. We back on board. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you, you do have to, like I said, mo- most of the criticism from Cousins admittedly comes from Minnesota. I mean, you, you, you yes. your fans are probably harder on him than anybody in Washington. But, you know, you, you do have to understand he was the NFL's first almost $30 million player. He was the first one with a $90 million guaranteed contract. He's got, he's got 
a lot of pressure to perform, not like a top third quarterback or a top, you know, top 15 quarterback. He's got to perform like a top five or six quarterback to show that, you know, to show that he, he's worth what, what they invested in him. I think that's his, that's the biggest thing is can Kirk Cousins be that quarterback? And, so, you know, be, beating Seattle in a stadium that's empty is going to be one thing. You know, him taking a team 12 and four to the to the NFC championship game, you know, at, you know, that's going to be how he's how he's graded. It's not it's not going to be from this week. It's going to be, you know, how deep he can get that team in the playoffs. Well, and so I, I mean, you can already see like, oh, beating a team with no stand, you know, I can already see kind of the um, the nitpicking, <laughs> so to speak. But um Teams don't I, go. Teams don't go sixteen and zero. Like I said, you you can't no, you can't don't. fear you can't fear a potential loss and do a good team like Minnesota. But but to me, I think so. This is part of the reason that I think it's unfair at this point. So yes, Cousins did get the most money. He <laughs> he was the guy that started on the curve, right? He got the money as as this guaranteed idea came into play. But now he's like the eighth or ninth highest paid quarterback. Yep. And within another couple of years, he's going to be right in the middle of the range, which is going to be. Right, what he's producing, like I just well, and, and here's here's my deal with that, right? Here's my deal with that. So, um, in free agency, you pay a tax, okay? If you're signing a player from another team, you're paying a tax. In general, almost every single re-signing of a player, like he's a rookie for you for three years, you give him a contract extension, he's taking a relative discount for his performance level. Typically, how it goes. So I put that. As like a ten to twenty percent tax, right in free agency. So we paid eighty-four million for him for three years. In reality, it was much less than that. So he was like the top three when he signed that contract. I think top two or three um, within like a week of that contract. But in reality, that put him like that top ten money, and we were just paying the free agency tax to get him away from um, potential other suitors. That's the way I look at that contract. Like. People are saying, people say, like, well, you made him one of the top three paid quarterbacks. No, we really didn't. We paid a free agency tax, and we paid him enough to get him here. So that's that's the way I look at that. Like, and and like you said there, Mike, in a couple years here, he's gonna be down to fifteen again because Dak has still got to get his contract. You're looking at all these other huge contracts that are going out. Well, it's only gonna keep on going up. But and also listen, the fact that we need to sit here in part of a, a big game preview is that we're defending the mon- monetary value, <laughs> right? That that to me signals we have issues. So, um, you know, we digress, I guess, to a point. But um, let, let's shift focus a little bit from Cousins into this game. Uh, so I th- I think Jeff, from a Viking standpoint, I'm going to combine two points into one. Our offense is rolling. Right, we we've got uh, Adam Thielen, a, a player that two years ago really emerged as to one of the best receivers in the NFL, along with Stephon Diggs, his his running mate. Last year he was hurt, didn't play much, but this year he appears to be back. Um, you pair him now with Justin Jefferson, uh, something like the twenty second ish overall pick, uh, yeah. and has now ranked as. Pro Football Focus's number one receiver through four weeks. Now, I realize, take that with a grain of salt, everyone's listening. You don't need to tweet me and email me and all this stuff, okay? He's rated that way. They're one and two. They're the top two receivers in the NFL through two weeks. And then you combine that, Dalvin Cook is number one running back through two weeks. So offensively, your skill players are are really, really solid. Um, so this offense is able to move, and we're coming in against a pass defense that has been last in the league now. Jeff, you're probably going to correct me a little bit in that they have been ahead a lot of the game, so you know teams are throwing on them. But they've given up 500 more passing yards than any other team in the NFL, and 500 is a lot. <laughs> there, yeah, it, and that's true. And I, and I would say that's probably going to be the deciding factor of the game is the Minnesota offense and how many points. For actually, for both of these teams, how many points can each one of these teams produce when teams can get a stop and get off the field? My my only kind of positive thing that I usually see, because number one, the the Seahawk pass rush is horrible. I mean, they have six sacks all year. Two of them are by Jamal Adams, which means they literally have four defensive line sacks in four games. That's no pressure. Uh, oh, but oh, I love but. That. 
But they have eight takeaways through four games. That's that's second most in the NFL. Six of the turnovers are interceptions. That's second most in the league. Um, they're also tied for second in turnover, turnover differential, which is a plus five. Uh, so in that, I think the Achilles heel of Minnesota is they do turn the ball over. They have had an issue turning the ball over. I think Cousins has five or six picks six, so far this year. Six, yeah. So, and I know a lot of those I think came in one game, but even still, that's going to be, like I said, if the Seahawks can get turnovers when they need to, which they have been able to, they were able to against Dallas. They were able to against new England, uh, even though they're beaten up, even though they're hurt, you know, if we, if we can keep the turn, if we can not turn the ball over and we can, uh, you know, we can, we can stop Minnesota from scoring 30 points. You know, I like I said, I think I like our chances in the game. And I, and I think that, so you said a couple things there that, are going to have Minnesota fans that are listening to this really excited in that you can get no pressure because <laughs> over the last three years, the number one complaint, obviously, on this team has been the offensive line. Um, I haven't heard that at all, Mike. What are you has, talking about? <laughs> the offensive line has struggled. They've allegedly given up a ton of pressures, even though by some metrics, Cousins had the most time to pass. But it seems like when Cousins has time to throw, he finds the open receivers. Um, so your lack of pressure could be great, but you look at this year as well, and Cousins has turned the ball over the most in the NFL. Um, now, how much of that was directed by pressure remains to be seen. Over the last couple of years, he really hadn't turned the ball over that much. And if you if you really deep dive into the actual interceptions, a lot of them are not his fault, right? They're tip their tip passes, their drop passes. Um, so I think that you're without trying to you're actually getting minnesota excited for this game in that <laughs> if cousins has time to sit back and throw against the pass defense that is you're probably giving us the reason why teams have been able to throw all over you you can't get any pressure and you don't have it you know what i mean no um, I, I i would fully agree that's why that's why you know their their point differential they've given up a lot of yards passing they've given up a fair amount of points um, and the reason for that is the fact that, you know, Bruce Irvin, who was supposed to be their edge rusher for the year, tore his Achilles and is out for the year. Um, I think Jamal Adams blitzed 60% of the time in the first two games. He was he was consistently you know, blitzing in the backfield. So uh, I, I'm waiting for to see Ken Norton, the defensive coordinator, start dialing up some line. We, we have no we have no blitzes. We haven't done any blitzes from the linebackers, corner blitzes, you know, other safeties rushing in. We haven't seen that. And, you know, I'm hoping to see a different game plan where we can start to get pressure on the QB because it has been really bad. And, and Ed, before I transition over to things they do well, I mean, any any thoughts on just the, the lack of pressure right now and, and how that might come into this week? Well, you know, or you just you're just excited. You're just smiling like, hey, maybe we have an opportunity. Well, you know, here's here's the thing. Here's the thing that that I'm seeing with these two teams. Um, they are incredibly similar in where they're yeah. lacking and and where where they have uh, pluses. Where they so, yeah. I mean, our secondary is extremely young. Um, you look at our safety play. Um, Anthony Harris has gone down a little bit. Harrison Smith is still doing Harrison Smith things, but every single corner we have back there, I think. That's where we lost the majority of our snaps from last year. I, th- I think our most veteran guy had about half the total snaps last year um, in the cornerbacks. Plus, they're banged up. Dancer's dealing with ribs. Um, I think Hughes has got something going on, too. Um, so you look at that, and then you look at our D-line. The interior of the D-line is not getting much pressure. Even our edge guys are not getting much pressure. I, you know, you said six sacks for Seattle. I wouldn't be surprised if we're at six or less. I haven't really checked, but... I don't. I don't really remember hearing many sack calls. I mean, we can't be more than that. So you're looking at two teams that are really, really mirror images of each other. And I think it's going to depend on which team, like like I think you said, Jeff earlier, which team can throw down more offense and which team can get critical stops and and just have some of the young guys and some of their their suspect components um, just overperform, right? So. This Actually, is going to be just a really wild well. game. I just looked. Yeah, so, yeah, right. So <laughs> I, I knew it wasn't great. So yeah, it's this. These two teams are incredibly mirror images of each other. Um, obviously, yeah, I would agree. You, you can see a lot with the coaching um, that's that's making a little bit of difference. Um, but 
you know, it, I think it's just going to be a fun game overall. And uh, I, I don't think you mentioned it, Mike, but um, Adam Thielen, I think I think all I got was a $500 scholarship. I, I, I don't think anyone has heard that okay. before, so I think we're breaking Stop that. Um, and and I think you know, and we're gonna we're gonna let uh, Jeff get on the soapbox here and, and talk about uh, the things that Seattle does well because we need to know about it. But um, the one thing that I would say coming into this game that could slightly sway in Minnesota's favor is that I look at Delvin Cook and um. Those of you that listen to the show know that coming into last year, I thought Delvin Cook could be a top three running back in the league. Um, he played that well before he got hurt, and honestly, right now, he is, and the injuries aside, he is the top running back in the NFL. Um, he's first in almost every statistical category that matters. He's making people miss. He's got hard runs. He is just, he's playing at a next level. So, um, I know Seattle has been one of the best teams defensively against the run, but I think a product of that has been that they've been so ahead that teams haven't tried to run. They haven't played a lot of good running teams. So mm-hmm. um, I'm really curious, though, how we're going to try to balance that because I've been frustrated before where we come in and try to establish the run against a team that has given up 10 million pass yards like Seattle has, and you have two of the best receivers, and you're you're – you're not emphasizing that, but I, I think if we can find the balance and Dallas can get it going, um, there's an opportunity for Minnesota to maybe exploit a defense that that hasn't faced a running back quite like Dalvin Cook. No, and I think I think that's fair. I mean, like I said, you know, obviously, you know, teams have had to abandon the run. I mean, we're still we're only giving up I think 75 yards per game rushing. Uh, We've only, like I said, it's only about, I think, three, three and a half yards per carry. So it's it, it's definitely, you know, it's definitely strength. We have some of the best, you know, flowing linebackers when it comes to being able to stop the quicker backs. You know, we're, we don't have the biggest linebackers, but when you got like a K.J. Wright and you've got a uh, – uh, wow, I, I just blanked on his name. Bobby Wagner, thank you. Um, but like I said, when you've got linebackers like that, they are able to sniff out screen passes. They are able yeah. to to be able to go sideline to sideline to be able to make plays. So with that, um, you know, I, I think a back like Cook that's not your bruising, you know, thirty carry back, you know, I, I think the matchup is good. I think I think Cook's incredibly talented. I, I don't think they're going to be able to completely stop him. But but definitely in terms of what he does well is also where we have some of our strengths on the defense, which is at the linebacker position. And how how do they cover Jeff? How do they cover backs out? So Dalvin has been prominent to a point in in the passing game, um, and obviously linebackers a lot of times are part of that. Um, how have they done? Uh, obviously. Teams being behind, I would assume that um, there's a chance they're passing or running backs. I mean, how, how do you feel about him coming out of the backfield and potentially catching passes? I, I guess it really depends on what type of routes they run him on and whether or not, like you said, with Seattle's lack of pass rush, if you can get him more vertical downfield. I mean, things like screen passes, things like, you know, the, the short little flare routes, you know, out into the, you know, you've got two linebackers that are not only quick, but incredibly smart. And they're able to read linemen that are that are allowing the pass rush to go in, and they're pulling for a screen pass. You'll see if you go back and you look at the Miami highlights, there were a couple of plays where KJ Wright was just on top of the screen pass before the running back caught the ball. Um, so with those situations, and if you can tackle a running back on a on a screen pass, you know you get them into second and thirteen, third and thirteen plays, and you know then of course that plays definitely more into the defense's hands. Sure, uh, and I mean I think. Like I said, I, I think Dalvin is a is a guy that could be a key for us offensively and a key to the game that could maybe change the way uh, versus what Seattle's faced so far. But um, you know, Jeff, I think this is an opportunity. We you know we we got to have everything equal here, right? So we got to we got to allow you to to talk up the players that have gone well and and uh, Russell Wilson. Let let's face it. In in my opinion, he's the MVP right now. He's got 16 touchdowns. He's leading the league in completion percentage touchdowns, um, quarterback rating. He's a player that has been a crush of mine for, I don't know, since he's come into the league. Um, you know, much to the controversy of Ed, you can go back through Twitter and see me tweet stats from me to him over many, many years. So 
Um, you don't have to tell me how good he is, but uh, I mean, how special is it to watch a player of that caliber lead your team week in and week out? Uh, it's pretty special when you see where he came from and knowing that they had made a big free agent signing in Matt Flynn and they thought Matt Flynn was going to be the, the quarterback of the future. But, hey, we'll, we'll draft this kid in the fourth round out of Wisconsin. And by the end of preseason, you know, he's taken every snap. You know, so it's, it's really been amazing to watch his progress uh, on the field. You know, again, you know, got us a Super Bowl, got us to another Super Bowl that we should have won. Uh you know, getting to you know, getting to watch who he is in the in the in the off season, getting you know, when he's off the field, and every Tuesday being down at the hospitals with 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 children, you know, working with them. He's he's the real deal with everything you see. It's 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 not a it's not a it's not a ploy. It's not for publicity. He he is who he is, and he's the face of the franchise. And and we're pretty proud of the fact of who he is. Add anything to add, or would you just like to silently nod your head and let me move to the next player? I mean, I think I'll just silently nod and move to the next player. I mean, obviously, right. I, I think you get a player no. like Russ, you always want him on your team, and you hate playing against him. But, you know, a lot of these guys, they're, they're, they're really solid human beings, and it's, it's, it's always good to hear a player like that who's, who's grounded and, and gives back to the community. So, Absolutely. Um. All right. I mean, the other thing that came to mind, Jeff, is DK Metcalf, a player that um, I think last year ended up falling a little bit in the draft and was kind of controversial because he's such a massive player. And a lot of guys thought he was too much of an, uh, a bigger build and was, you know, couldn't run the routes. Um, a player I was always a, a fan of. Uh, and man, you look this year, he is he's the real deal. I mean, not even the real deal. Like he is potentially going to be one of the better receivers in the NFL. Uh, I mean, how fun has it been to watch DK with Russ throwing to him? <laughs> Outside of the Dallas fiasco, when he, when he caught the ball and celebrated a little bit too early, uh, he, he's been amazing to watch, and he even made up for that with a game-winning touchdown. But uh, watching him develop this year, watch, you know, following him on Twitter, watching him during the offseason develop, getting that rapport with Russ, you know, it, it's, been, it's been pretty amazing to watch. Um, I would love to see, and I'm actually, you know, even not as much of a homer, I would like to see him develop more. Like I said, he, he's great on a nine route. I mean, the, the man can run a go route and can burn by you, and when he's open, you know, he, he's just going to blow past you and score. But, you know, I'd like to see that, you know, that, that third and nine, you know, 12-yard catch, you know, be able to run a, a good 15-yard 15 yard dig route and be able to actually, you know, you know, come back and double coverage. We haven't seen that of him yet, but we're already starting to see him develop that type of receiver. So yeah, I'm excited to see how he even gets better as the season goes on. If you think he's leading the NFL in receiving yards right now, he could potentially be better by the end of the year. Yeah. I mean, I, I love Metcalf. I, I also love Lockett. Um, Mike, Mike, I, I thought this was a Skolder show, not not a Vikings fan hey, against I mean, two I, Seattle I, fans. Or? It is what it is. I, I'm a man of many uh, fantasy football podcasts. <laughs> I will tell you, I'm not a Chris Carson fan. I'm not a fan of their running backs, but uh, you know, it is what it is. There, um, they're getting 113 yards a game combined. That's that's what I need in, out of my running backs, and so. that's what you need, and that's why you probably you know again shouldn't spend money on running backs. But guess what, Dalvin's proven the. Uh, Proven us at least for this year that it's worth it, but oh, we no, we no digress. Arguments. No arguments there. <laughs> um, all right. So anything before before we get into keys to the game and prediction? Anything from either uh, Ed? You've been a little quiet. I know this is difficult for you because <laughs> you had thought that we were going to be the worst team in the history of the NFL. It became the Skulljer podcast. We lost you, and now you've started to be optimistic. So. Uh, is there anything that you would like to say? Would you like to come back to your fans? Um, you know, I just I want to give you a chance to really uh, open up to Vikings fandom here before we get to predictions. Okay, one, all you said was false. Okay. <laughs> Two, I mean, I I, th- I think we know where I'm going with this. My shtick at this point with the podcast is the Vikings are going to beat Seattle, and this is the year they're going to Oh, here we go. He's so, back. He's uh, back, baby. Yeah. So I mean, it's. That's that's my prediction. We'll get in the actual score here in a little bit, but you know, 
I think if any year is the year to beat Seattle in Seattle, I think it's this year with with the stadium issue. And I I think I think we're just scrappy enough to get there. I think the teams are just just in the, in the right places, you know, to each other in in this season. That you know, I I think we walk out of there, and I think I think it's a shootout. I think it's like over ninety points. Wow. So, so give me uh, give me. How about how about this? You give me one or two keys to the game, Ed. We'll move over to Jeff. One or two keys to the game. I'll give one or two keys, and then we'll uh, roundtable the actual score prediction. All right, one or two keys to the game. Um, I would say you have to keep Kirk clean. You keep Kirk clean, and he's going to have time to get what he needs to get done. I would say you need to involve Justin Jefferson as much as possible. I want to see him have 200 yards, man. It's Get him on those deep routes. Let's get him involved. Let's get him going early. Because um, it looks like so far the last couple games, there's not much opposing defenders can do to stop and slow him down. Um, so get Justin Jefferson going. Keep Kirk clean. And, and do as as much as you can to disrupt Seattle. I, I know that's very hard. And just contain Russell. Do not let him run on you. You let him run on you, we've seen... We've seen that over and over as Vikings fans. Running quarterbacks just absolutely crush us. Don't let them run on you. you got to contain them. And I think you do those three things. I, th- I think I think you're sitting at, at uh, Vikings win here, improving to two hey, and three. Okay, don't give the number. But actually, momentary side laps, Jeff. He sparked my interest. How mu- Has Russ been running this year? Or not really? Not really. Not like okay. I said, you know, controlled runs, you know, you know, a third down when, you know, when the defense has dropped, you know, seven or eight and, and he sees sure. a lane. Um, we're not a lot of read option like we used to be a couple of years ago. Um, so, you know, you're not seeing a lot of that, those type of option plays. But you know, like I said, he'll, he'll run when he needs to. He will run inside the pot. You'll, you'll see him all over. You know, you know, you know. Take a sidestep here. Take a few. Take a little roll out here to the right side. You'll you'll see that yeah. in order to okay. get a passing lane. Okay. All right. Um. Well, Jeff, what uh, what do we got? What uh, any keys for the Seahawks? Uh, like fifteenth victory in a row, or something? Uh, it might be like eighth. I don't know. Uh, Whatever. So it's like sixth. Uh, you know, it, it it's interesting how. Being on a Vikings podcast, how excited y'all are after just getting your first win! That all of a sudden right. you can you, you can should roll, join last week. <laughs> you, oh. can, you can roll any you can roll anywhere and beat any team now. So Ed, Ed showing that. Uh, I think the biggest thing, and I, I, I do agree with it. I think it's going to be an offensive game, and I think both of these teams have prolific offenses that they can run. I think your biggest question is going to be two things number one it's going to be the seahawk receivers against your viking cornerbacks which is obviously one of the areas where you know you have some weak spots you know you know typically mistakes are what seattle capitalizes you get a safety that doesn't make a read correctly you've got a corner that's too aggressive they're going to pay for it russell throws the best deep ball in the nfl by far if you make a mistake they will make you pay receivers are quick um you're starting to see greg olson come out a little bit you know so they've got a little tight end action you know running backs like i said carson is is seems to be feeling pretty good on this one although he came off with a concussion last week i don't think he's on the injury report right now for this week so you know so i i think we have the opportunity again just like the same thing if we can keep russ clean you know he's gonna he's he's a surgeon he's gonna carve and I think that that's going to be, you know, probably the, the big thing in the game is which offense can get turnovers and which offense can probably make a special team or which which group can make a special teams play. That's probably going to cause that's probably going to be how this game is going to be decided. Yeah. And, and I mean, I think that's where I'm at. Uh, so my two keys, I think number one for me is that we need to get 18 to 20 touches for Dalvin Cook. And it doesn't mean that doesn't mean rushes. That just means touches. So. You know, he could have 14 and 6, whatever. Dalvin Cook, when he gets the ball, I don't even care if he's in space. He has been magic. Uh, So they need to get the football to him. And then you look at the passing defense of Seattle that has really struggled. And I think that if we can establish Dalvin a little bit and get him the ball in the short short field, you're going to open up opportunities for Jefferson and Thielen. So a big deal for me is going to be to get Dalvin rolling, uh, get Dalvin... I don't want to say rolling early, but 
Um, I think that it's going to be massive for him to make sure that he gets the touches as we go. Uh, and then secondarily, it's going to be the defense. And I think the defense is going to need at least at least three turnovers. So I would have put the line at two and a half, but I honestly, I don't think two is going to be good enough. I think they're going to need three turnovers. Um, you hope Russ makes a mistake. You hope a receiver drops the ball, whatever. Um, they're going to have to win a turnover battle. They might need to score. Listen, we haven't won in Seattle since 2006. Blu-ray came out then. <laughs> Blu-ray! That's not a thing anymore. Hey, We've had the, something the launch we, and go extinct. The we the we came out the in Wii. in 2006 as well. So that's when Nintendo released the Wii. Yeah, you're make, I mean, you, you guys are making me depressed over here. Okay, <laughs> listen, like it's I mean things that came out in 2006 are not relevant anymore. Maybe Backstreet Boys they had a resurgence <laughs> recently, but um, you know it's it's been bad. Uh, so I think the defense. Listen, Zim. Zim is the one of the best defensive coaches over the last 15, 20 years, right? He, he historically, wherever he's gone, defense played really well. Um, I think we're going to get a couple pieces back that we haven't had, so it's going to be weird to say, but I think we're going to have one of our healthiest defenses uh, of the year this week. And so um, I'm excited for an opportunity for them to maybe get creative, uh, know what Russ does. He's someone we're we're familiar with, right? We've played him the last two years. We've played him five of the last six. Uh, but I think it's going to take a turnover or two or three for us to do that, combined with Dalvin getting the rock, and then you just got to hope that Thielen and Jefferson continue to produce. Um, I will yeah. I will say one thing. Thielen scares me because typically those, those, those small, quick, slot-wide receivers – are typically, you know, like a Julian Edelman is what is what gave Seattle problems earlier in the year. One thing, and I'll, I'll say this just as a football fan, don't fall in love with these rookie wide receivers too quickly because they they are hit and miss in their rookie year. There are very few guys outside of, you know, guys that are not named Moss are consistent performers in their rookie years. So you start getting some film on them. You start corners can start seeing how that they can press them, how they can play them differently. They can start finding tips on their routes. Um, so just just as a, like I said, you know he's had two great games. You know you can't argue it. But this is also two games where you really haven't had a lot of film on this kid. So uh, I'm I'm hoping Pete, Pete's another one of those guys. He's a, he's a defensive guru. You know, you know, like I said, you know, he's an old defensive backs coach. You know, there's there's a good possibility you could see a very very quiet day out of Jefferson this week. Well, and in him and Zim, uh, Pete and, and Zim know each other well. And oh yeah, it's well, um, you know, pronounced. But um, the one thing I'll say is that Jefferson really didn't play much week one, and he is the number one rated re- receiver right now in PFF and. Since 2006, he since they basically started keeping stats, he is the only receiver to have a ranking above 90 through four games. So, yeah, I, I agree a million percent with you, Jeff, that you see guys that come in, um, they float in and out. And, and I think even looking at like a guy like Metcalf, you, look, you, you see players that transition up and down, they have up and down. But uh, certainly when you have a one-and-three team in the emergence of Jefferson, you're going to – your your statement isn't going to qualm the expectations of Jefferson <laughs> oh, I, because I, I it's one you. of the I only know. things we I have, know. baby. I know. I, I just don't want to come on next week and have you guys complaining when he catches like three for twenty two and you know and it gets blanketed for most of the game. But you know, and then Thielen has a great game. So just I, I, like I said, I, I always <laughs> yeah. like to temper whether or not I get invited back at some point. So that's fair. Um. Well, I think the only thing left, gentlemen, is a uh, actual prediction. So we might as well go the same order here. We're going, we're going live to the second Skulger who we had lost for uh, the previous two and a half, three weeks. Uh, Ed, what do we have for a prediction this week, bud? All right. So for one, I'm going to dial back my 90 point thing. I think that's a little bit crazy, <laughs> but um, I'm going to take the Vikings. Oh my god. Okay. The Vikings. All right. On the back of. Two interceptions and a forced fumble. Forty-three to thirty-eight. Oh. Wow. Forty-three to thirty-eight. So we're so we're gonna have some fun on Sunday night. Is it what you're is me. gonna be. Uh, it's I, it's gonna I be some fireworks. I might need to take man. Monday morning. Off. It's gonna be some fireworks. It's it's gonna be a fun show. <laughs> All right. Uh. Uh, 
Jeff, what? I I think one of the defenses will step up this week. So I, I think it's distinctly possible that you'll you'll see one of the teams that will be held below 30. I, I, I think they're, they're, both teams have enough talent on those defenses, whether it be the Minnesota defensive line, uh, whether you've got the Seattle corners or linebackers. I think I think there's plenty of talent on both sides that one of the teams I'm going to I'm going to go Homer here. Like I said, it, it's still it's still CenturyLink. It's still the clink. Uh, I've got Seattle 34, Minnesota 24. Go Hawks. All right. Um, I, I tend to agree with Jeff. I think that sometimes you get into these Shocker. games and you're like, no, no, you're just like, oh, we're going to score a million points, and then it doesn't actually happen. So I, I think that um, if you move the if you move the bars, you know, along the same line, that's where I'm at, Jeff. I think like uh, a 34 28 a 31 25 something in those lines i guess my official guess would be uh 34 31 i'll be optimistic and think minnesota can get it within a field goal but you're predicting minnesota lose oh absolutely they haven't won there since 2000 blu-ray was a thing <laughs> int- i mean i'm not gonna predict them to win at seattle when they haven't won, Mike, Mike, I, 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 thought, I thought this was the Scolders podcast, not the Scolders podcast. Oh, okay. <laughs> Listen, somebody needs to be a realist, and it's it, no Vikings are not going to lose. You know what? If they do, things get pretty fun for the re, the, the remainder of the season. But uh, they gotta they gotta shock the world here. It's coming. It's coming. Swatch. <laughs> I, I did not. I thought the predictions would have been flipped from the two of you. I was very surprised at that. Mike hasn't predicted the Vikings to win in Seattle since the dawn of time. Let's be fair here. And I've been accurate every time. Well, even Until a broken clock is what, what is it? Even a broken clock is right twice a day. So that's what I tell my wife. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Any closing thoughts, gentlemen? Um, it's, been, it's been a fun, fun talking with you two. Uh, I just I, I appreciate you guys letting me come on. Uh, like I said, I got to I got to listen to the podcast a couple times. I told Mike I said when when we get our next Seahawks game, I said I got I got to be on the podcast. So I appreciate you guys letting me come on and and talk football for a little bit. Uh, my only closing, you know, I asked I asked Jeff about the pulse of uh, the kind of the squad for the moment, but Jeff, is there you know you kind of get the Super Bowl pulse? Um, do you get the vibe that the general Seahawks fandom right now thinks this is a legitimate Super Bowl team, especially amongst the COVID season? Okay, this is going to sound really kind of arrogant, but I think with most fans, you get to a point where when you're a consistent playoff team, you're a little bit more realistic, you know, after a 4-0 start that it's like, hey, we look good. But the end goal for us is not to be, you know, yeah. I mean, the end goal for us is to get to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl. So yep. I think I think people are tempered. They're excited about a 4-0 start. They're excited about how well, you know, the offense is playing. Um, they're excited about Jamal Adams when they can get him back. You know, you know, they have a lot of the pieces that they need in order to make a deep run into the playoffs. But I, I think most Seahawks fans are fairly realistic that, you know, you don't win Super Bowls in September or October. You win them yeah. in December. You win them in January, and that's that's what uh, I think. That's what everyone kind of builds for. Now, if we're thirteen and three with home field advantage going into you know going into the playoffs, I, I think that this I think you know you're going to start to see that Super Bowl hype start to take effect. It's fair, and I, I mean I think that we're familiar with that. Um, unfortunately, with Green Bay, right? We've seen Green Bay year after year that they, regardless of how they start record wise. Um, they don't really care. They kind of build into, like, if they can just get into the dance, they know that they've got a shot and they care about how they're playing then. So, um, you know, I guess the only closing thought to you, Ed, would be uh, all joking aside with the Skulder Skulders podcast, you look at this team at 1-3, and three, realistically should have been 2-2. Two and two. Unfortunately, we didn't get the win at Tennessee, and I know that that doesn't mean anything, right? Moral victories don't count. We're 1-3. and three. But if they do beat Seattle, if Cousins is able to go in and have beaten Dallas, New Orleans, at Seattle, get that Seattle stigma off the back, and then you have Atlanta, a team that basically at this mm-hmm. point is not a team. So most likely you end up 3-3 three and three going into a bye, which then you open up at Green Bay after that bye. 
Um, what potentially could be your expectations if this team is able to go on Seattle and win that football game? I think if the team goes in and, and beats Seattle, I, I think you have to press the reset button on what you're expecting on the team. You have to, you have to see, um, you have to have a little bit more hope in how it's going to evolve. But I, I still think there's a lot of tough games ahead in the schedule. So I think the expect the expectation there is okay. This is this is where we thought we should have been in 2020. Okay, this is this is where we thought we should have been. So we had probably about the worst start that you could possibly imagine. But you look at some of the NFC now, it's not quite as daunting as it was. Dallas is not looking that great, so that game on the schedule is not looking like it's going to be as tough as it should have been. You look at New Orleans, they're faltering a little bit. That game doesn't look as tough as it should have been. You look at Detroit, they're doing Detroit things. Chicago is, <laughs> is barely holding on with Nick Foles. So, I mean, this thing could be wide open by the time you get to December. Um but I think it's got to start. It's got to start with getting to three and three to the bye. I don't. Th- I don't think you're competitive um, until you do that. But for seventh seed to win the Super Bowl, I don't know, man. That sounds pretty cool to me. So, so would you? Would you say, knowing that you're staring one and four if you don't get the win? Would you say, in your opinion, especially for lofty expectations, the season is on the line? Sunday night in Seattle. I don't think it's on the line in Seattle, but I think you're, you're on life support if if you you're lose. Supposed to say it's on the line. I mean, I mean, we're trying to buy viewership here, <laughs> Mike. We, we we don't play those cheap tricks, okay? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you know, I, this was fun, gentlemen. I had, I had some good time. We had some good chats. Um, yeah. I I don't know. I hope. Maybe we get to do this again in the playoffs. That'd be kind of fun. Yeah, playoffs, or or for at a minimum, we play uh, Seattle at home next year. So um, we'll see you here again next year, whatever week that is. And uh, it's great having you on, Jeff. I was going to say next year, if we can travel again, we'll do it live. So there we go. Do it live. Same. We'll do it live. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it, guys. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. Again, thanks, Jeff, for being on. Um, I think that's going to do it for the Scotus Podcast here. Uh, it's going to be a fun game no matter which way you look at it. So just just enjoy it, Vikings let's faithful. Hold. And, uh, you know, let's, let's have some fun. Maybe we might get our first win in Seattle since Blu-ray came out. I don't know. We'll find <laughs> out. Um, but, again, that's going to do it for us. Skull Vikes. Let's go get this one. Let's go, Hawks. Skull. Skull.